Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host today for Relief from Darkness. So thank you for joining us in this conversation where we are exploring how we can truly be set free from the stuck areas in our life and walk into freedom and destiny that is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Because here at No Boundaries, we really do believe that the stuck areas in our lives can be healed and can be changed. And we believe that you can change your brain and as you change your brain, you change your life. So this is a super, super, super special episode as it will be the very last one for Relief from Darkness. And so today we do, of course, have our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Basie. Hi, guys. And then we have a very special guest, Melinda. Hello. And it's going to be super cool because they share a really, really special bond. So at this point, I'm just going to let... Dr. Lori, go ahead and take it away. You guys, you're not going to believe what's happened in my life. And so we love what we've done in Relief from Darkness. And as I hear kind of the summary is I was one way and now I'm not. And what happened in between was Jesus. And as we're set free from ourselves and as we quit just looking at ourselves and being obsessed with ourselves. And we realize that there's a purpose in this world and we're meant for something bigger than just us. And so I was thinking about how could we wrap this up in all of the nations that we're in that that's heard this podcast with all of the special stories. How could we just bring a close to this as we begin other projects. And I thought, I just have to tell you something that's really personal for me and near and dear to me. And that's Melinda. And so I want to backtrack to over 20 something years ago. And I want to tell you something that's just really personal uh, and, and that means so much to me. And so when I graduated from college, I actually met my husband at a fraternity party and he was going to be a dentist and I'm now a therapist. We went on our first mission trip and we decided to do something outside of ourselves. And so it was after that first mission trip, I happened to be in charge of the rehabilitative services on a psychiatric unit and we'd have adolescents and adults that would come in and they were suicidal and homicidal and we'd fall in love with these people and the adolescents actually when they went back home if their home environment did not change then the adolescents would end up back in the psychiatric unit and some of them had tried to even kill themselves and I thought something has to change somebody's got to do something what about the kids? And so I went home and I told my husband, I call him Honey Boo Boo right now. And I said, Honey Boo Boo, we've got to do something about the kids. And he looked at me like, oh no, here it comes. I said, we've got to do something about the kids. And he looked at me again and I said, we need to take foster kids. And so there was a case manager at the psychiatric unit that I worked at. And she also did contract work with a really special program. And in this program, the kids that they placed in foster care homes, they could never be adopted and they could never go back with their families. And so they needed a place to live. And instead of bouncing from home to home, to home, to home, to home, they needed a place to live until they were 18 and they needed to be loved and they needed to be set into a family situation and a setting. And so I looked at my husband and he looked at me and we said, we can love a kid. We really want to do this. We've got to change the world. We didn't have any kids of our own. And it was in the middle of all of that. He and I sat down and we thought, 
you know, I think we would love and we would be really good with six-year-old little boys. And so we filled out the thing. We went to parenting classes. We had uh, financial resources. We were going to be the best parents, not to replace parents, but the best two that would wrap around someone until they were old enough to know that they were loved and could take care of themselves so that they didn't bounce around from place to place to place. And so we finished all of the criteria. We were super excited. We got our certificate. And now we wait. We wait for a six-year-old little boy. We prayed every day for this kid, for the first kid that was going to come into our house. We were so excited. We fell in love with with whoever that was going to be. And so we waited for a month. And then we waited for six months. And then we waited for 12 months. And then we waited for 18 months. And then we waited for 24 months. And in that 24 months, there were no kids No six-year-old little boys that came around. But one day I was at the psychiatric unit and my case manager friend said, you know, you're obviously a therapist and you know how to handle kids and some kids that are in really tough situations. And she said, I know you've said a six-year-old little boy, but it's been two years and you keep bugging us. And wanted to know where the kid is and where when they're coming. You've been praying for this kid. She said, I don't have a six-year-old little boy, but there's a 12-year-old little girl that really needs a place to come for a minute. And then she'll be moving on because we really think she's going to need more care. She's probably going to need therapeutic foster care. And she looked at me and she said, would you and Tom allow this little girl into your house? And I said, absolutely. It had been 24 months <laughs> Absolutely. I thought we have certainly prayed for this first child who's going to enter into our house. And so I'll never forget the day that she came and I fell in love. We look like polar opposites, but I was so in love with this beautiful little girl. I thought, oh my gosh. And she came and it was interesting because she didn't, she didn't really bring anything with her. And so the first night she was going to sleep and she, I guess she had a monkey or a stuffed animal and it was a a monkey or a gorilla or an ape or something. And, and she wasn't able to bring it with her and my heart broke, but I thought, well, honey, boo boo got me a four foot gorilla for Valentine's day. And Jesus knew that this little girl without her monkey is going to come into our household and I can give her this, this gorilla. And so she got a four foot gorilla. I fell in love. She was the most beautiful, joy filled thing that I had ever seen. And one week led into two weeks and two weeks led into three and three weeks led into four. And I fell more and more in love with her. And so finally, Tom and I asked the case manager, we said, if she will, can we just keep her? Can we be with her until she's 18? We'll give her whatever we can, whatever she needs. We had fallen in love. And in fact, at that time, we had just started doing mission work and we were getting ready to go to Mexico. And we said, we don't want to leave this little girl. We know that you probably can't take foster kids out of the country, but can't she go with us? And do you know that they allowed this beautiful child to go with us into Mexico and And we 
we're just living our best lives. And, and even though it was our best lives, I know it was really difficult. This child, it, God could have picked anybody. He picked this one for me. She was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And she got in trouble every day. And I would get calls from the YMCA. I'd get calls from school. One year, she ate all of the lunches at the Y in all of the lockers. And they called me to come and get my precious child child, I came and got her and I looked at her and I laughed and I said, well, I guess you're not hungry. So what do you want to do now? (laughs) And so I was having the time of my life and it was hard. It was ups and it was downs and it was up and down, but we were committed. We were in with this kid and I'll never forget one day we were at my house and my husband's one of those who won't squash a bug. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you listeners are any of those, let's not kill the bug. And there was a cricket in our laundry room. And my husband goes over and he picks up the cricket and he takes the cricket over to the door to release the cricket. And he hears the spirit of the Lord say something to him. And he said, he came in after the catch and release of the cricket, which just irritates me. And he said, Lori, I think I heard the spirit of the Lord say, she's leaving. And I said, no way, there's no way that could happen. And sure enough, the next day, things escalated, got out of control, and the case manager had to come in, and we didn't decide, she didn't decide, but they made the decision that she could not return. And I remember those two weeks, I still cry. I cried for two weeks. I missed this, this kid. I missed the calls from the school. I missed laughing at what ridiculous <laughs> things she had just done to get in trouble. And, and I, I had, saw her room. We actually moved into a bigger house and she was able to pick out a room and pick out furniture. And, and my heart was just breaking. And so for two weeks I cried and I cried and, and he and I had another as, as it would have it, a 12 year old little girl that came into our house afterwards, looked just like my husband and I looked like she would fit into the neighborhood that we lived in, but it wasn't the first kid. It wasn't the one that I had fallen in love with. And so all I could do was pray an ugly cry and pray an ugly cry. (laughs) And the next little girl stayed with us for a year and it was time for her to go, but that was okay. And so I would pray and occasionally I would cry. And so for years, year after year after year after year, we prayed and we cried and we laughed and we talked about this kid and we'd look at the pictures from Mexico and all the places we'd been. And now it's five years and now it's 10 years. And now I've seen Jesus and we've started no boundaries. And, and now it's 15 years. And somehow we're down on South Robinson on a human trafficking track and we're doing ministry and we're doing missions. And we've got this incredible team. And he and I at this point have decided we're not having kids. We're not taking more foster kids. But I learned how to love with this kid. And she wasn't a six-year-old little boy. She was a 12 and 13-year-old little terror (laughs) who was so much fun. And so now fast forward about 20 years, and I see 
this precious child who is now no longer a child on Facebook and she's in crisis. And I heard the Holy Spirit say now. And I thought, oh, snap, what are we going to do? And what in the world is she up to? And will she... Will she know how much we loved her? And I still have pictures of us in Mexico and out at the pool and and doing all of these crazy things. And, and so I reached out to her, and I'll never forget meeting her and hearing about her life. And the interesting thing at this point, now she's a grown woman with a fabulous husband, who I never could have dreamed that could be in my life. Actually, he knows how to dance and rap and do stuff that I, in my wildest (laughs) imaginations, wish I could do. But not only that, but she at the time, and this was four years ago, she had a four-year-old little boy, the most adorable little boy that I'd ever seen. And so we started reconnecting And now I have memories of her still as a 12 or a 13-year-old. I've fallen in love with not only her, but her son and her husband. And we start reconnecting. And that's where I think it would be really good for her to pick up this story. And so what I invited her to do was to come down to South Robinson to meet our community, to reconnect with my husband, Tom, and for her to see what God was doing in us and through us all. So, welcome, Melinda. So thank you for having me, guys. Um, first off, I'd like to say that that four-foot teddy bear or gorilla was actually six foot tall. <laughs> and um, like she said, we, I wasn't sure of the transition as far as when I left or who had made that choice. So, For about 20 years, I lived in total resentment that I got given away. I was a foster child. Every home I got tossed away or one bad behavior, and I was out of there. And for some weird reason, Lori enjoyed the calls and the the trauma and all the things that I was doing. I didn't understand, so I'd push a little harder because usually at this point, one or two calls, you usually have to be removed from the home or, you know, they didn't want you because you were terrible or you were causing chaos, but she didn't. So I kept pushing and I kept pushing, and I kept pushing. And then it, I relaxed. And like she said, you know, there was an outburst in a situation where I had to be removed. But again, not knowing where my part was, what part did they play? Did they get rid of me? And so years passed and I had resented them for years and didn't know it's just another home that gotten rid of me. And then at some point I kind of started to remember, well, hold on. I was loved. And I was okay. And I did these mission trips. And when I began to share that with people and people in my family of what it was like, I didn't have people that believed me or we didn't know that you could actually go out of town and you can't take them out of the country, let alone, you know, out of state. But I was in a different country. And when they took me there, I began to pray and and lay hands on people and do things that I didn't understand why I was doing. I didn't know why we did them. I watched at the time my foster dad cry for reasons I wasn't under, I wasn't understanding when people would pray or when people would lay hands, what brought out the tears or what brought out the emotions until it was my turn. So as I began to pray for people, I would cry. And as I would begin to hear the stories of how Jesus was and how he, how things were personable and you could pray and healing could come, or you could ask him for these things. And all I knew is God was a God. And if you acted bad, he wanted nothing to do with you. And if you were good then you were going to heaven. So to me, I I wasn't what I thought was good. So there wasn't Mm -hmm. any room for me and Jesus. And then, like she said, 20 years later to find out she wanted me to come into this ministry and to be introduced and 
all I thought is there wasn't a place for me. You know, Lori Little, do you know, you know, I struggled with drugs over the years and I have an, another set of kids, you know, and all these other things that have happened and all these things like I, I was ashamed for her to be back into my life because I thought that I wouldn't be the perfect poster child that maybe she thought she'd get 20 years later. But the more she started to bring me around and the more she started showing me who God was, I learned that it actually wasn't a approval based or behavior set relationship. It was just a, a, a wantingness to be able to come into a relationship on purpose and to want God and to seek him and to choose to believe. But the only criteria that needed to be met was a willing heart. And that right there is what started off the transition into finding God and what a personal relationship, excuse me, was. I think what's super cool in this is like, I just see and hear the heart of the father. And I look at you coach. And when you learned, whenever you said that he taught you how to love, and then you look at Melinda and I hear your side of that same story. And he was teaching you how to receive love. And it's just such a reflection of the heart of God that in every relationship, and I'm just reminded of that, that that's what he's doing in us and in every relationship that we have with people is he's teaching us how to love and he's teaching us how to receive love. And I think about just the history of this podcast and all the people like that are in it and they've been they've been listening and they've been set free or they're walking out the CPR process and all of that. But 20 years yeah. is a long time yes. to be reconnected and to wait. Will you speak or can you speak a little bit on that, on the long obedience, mm-hmm. on the long obedience when it's not immediate and we live in a culture and in a society where we want it right here and right now, mm-hmm. or we think that if we just wait the year and then what, but what was it like whenever mm-hmm. it wasn't time yet and it wasn't time yet and it wasn't time yet? How did the Lord meet you in that? Well, he's got to be enough. And so our desire has to be met in him and Everything that I need, love and acceptance and security and peace and belonging, all of those things have to be met in him. And then we have to trust. I love that song, Waymaker, that even if we don't see him working, he's working. And and then as Melinda started to talk about what she had been through and what she experienced during that 20 years and the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and the horror and the and the kids and and the beautiful things and, and all that she had been through and and even in her past, I could see him working. And so I want to encourage all of us that we live in a microwave society and we want things instantaneously. But Jesus was actually working in her heart and in my heart and in multiple different layers of, of situation. And he knew exactly when, and he knew how, and he knew where. And if we try to make something happen outside of his Kairos for such a time as this outside of his timing, then it can go terribly wrong. And so we have to just trust him. And I knew that we introduced her to Jesus. I knew that she had a call of God on her life. I knew that she experienced him in Mexico and I had to release her and trust him with 
her, no matter what it looked like on the outside, easy, absolutely not. But sometimes we just don't have a choice and we could be riddled with anxiety or pain. Or when the Holy Spirit told me now, if I would have been rejected or if I would have had unforgiveness, or if I would have thought it hurts too much or what if, then I wouldn't have been able to do that. And so in the middle of all of that, if we just trust him and if he's our one desire and he meets our needs, he wants it more than we do. Yeah. He wants us to be connected. He wants us to be in family and community. He wants us to see each other as he sees. And he wants us then to trust in him and acknowledge that he's got the perfect time. So I like to say in a lot of my world, I take what seems like an unreasonable amount of time and I multiply that times seven. And even if he would have would have had me wait until eternity and until heaven, he knows what's best. And we just have to, we have to be okay with that. Yeah. Thank you. So Melinda, will you share a little bit about what you get to do now? Like what is life like for you now? Life right now to me is full of peace. It's full of joy, the joy and the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because to be honest, According to statistics, and as y'all have learned with brain things and all that, some of the traumas, and I won't go into those things, but some of the things that I've went through, some of the things that I've seen, all of that shouldn't allow me to be able to stand here or to be an example or to be able to have a testimony or to be able to even get beyond myself. So just that right there to me is God. But the other side of me now learning how God can come in 20 years later, learning how God can switch something, how God can show up. And, you know, like, cause even at that time, one part she didn't share is that I was actually 48 hours from being evicted. And so when she showed up for some reason, God had told her to give me like a hundred dollars or $200, but it was the exact amount that I needed mm-hmm. to not be evicted. And so for me, well, how would she know that that's the part of God? Like she could have reached out to me on wanting to reach out to me for an individual level, but to reach out to me and then to be able to have the help and not understand why she needed to give me this money, well, who would show up in 20 years later, but also I have a gift of a few hundred dollars. Like that was just God's way of sealing it and showing up that no, she's not here for help. No, she's not here for this. No, she's not that. But I showed up and I brought you guys back in touch, but I also met your need because I'm God like that, you know, but it, it was, it was pretty cool. But the other side of me right now is able to receive love. I'm able to give it. I don't have an agenda behind it. It's not stricken with if I do this, what happens there? It's not all that I've got been able to get past that, but it has not been an easy road. It's taken years and I'm actually still working on it, but I'm able to do life right now and serve God and trying to figure out how can I be me? How can I be a Christian? How can I be good? How can I be bad? How do I do this? Where do I figure out where to go? Now I just learned that it's okay. Like I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm okay. You know? And and like I said, again, that took years too, but to be able to be where I'm at right now, it's, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a peaceful place. I really am. And I never thought that I could be here. I never thought that Melinda would be okay from day to day basis. I've never thought that I could love, I could have a husband. I could have someone that loves me. I never thought I could have the people or the stuff that I do around. And it's not based off what I did. It's based off God placing people that love me and me allowing myself to receive and give that love. So now it allows me to know what love is and to receive it, but also to get past all of that to now be in the stage where I can give it back. So now to be able to give back 
the part of me that I felt like someone needed to give to me, yeah. I can now be that stuff for other people. And that's what blows my mind. Who would think I could give back or help people who have been in situations? Because all I knew is if you're crazy, you're crazy. You're right. stuck for the rest of your life. If you're in this situation, you don't come back. Or what if they don't come back or they lose their mind and I'm alive and I'm okay and I'm safe and I can help other people. And I always question God. Part of it in the beginning was, God, even if you did bring me back into it, even if you did cycle me into it, even if I do get into this ministry, even if I can speak or say, what do I have to offer? What can I give from all my crazy? Like all I can tell is all of this. Like I'm, I'm only in the reparative stage for maybe the last year, just to be honest. So mm-hmm. where is my part? What can I do? What can I say? But the whole testimony is I'm here yeah. and I'm okay. You know, so right now on the other side of me, it feels good to finally be healed and to be able to return that. So it's kind of the beginning stages, but just it's day by day. Yeah. That's incredible. Dr. Lori, what's been the most, what's been the most fun thing to watch in her? It's just been beautiful to see what I saw when we when we had her when she was little, that she's created with a perfect purpose, that there is a spirit of adoption, that she in this world we can't do, I can't fulfill the fullness of what I'm called to without her, that she is needed, she is picked, she is chosen, she is wanted. Yeah. And it's been so much fun watching that with their family. And and so I shared about the heartache and the pain and when she she had to leave and then the 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 emotions about being brought. There's one other thing that I do want to share and the struggle. It was really real. And so now she's back yeah. in my, my life. Now there's this, this beautiful person that I also call son-in-law named Tyree, who's her husband, but there's a four-year-old little boy. Yeah. And this four-year-old little boy called me grandma <laughs> and I jumped back and I called him in close and I said, baby, sweetie, come here, <laughs> come close. Don't ever let those words come out of your mouth again. I am way too young to ever be called grandma. And so the struggle was real. <laughs> I said, baby, you call me hot Lori. And he couldn't say L's at the time. Time. So it was hot Rory for the longest time. And now my struggle is this. This little angel has turned eight. And Melinda yeah. said at one day she is going to put an end to him calling me hot anything that it, <laughs> at some point it could be inappropriate. And so listeners, if you have any idea what this angel can call <laughs> me besides grandma and hot Lori, I'm all ears. <laughs> Please send in all of your comments <laughs> to our email at info at mbind.org. That's real. The, str- <laughs> the struggle is real. Yeah. So Melinda, so now here you are and you're giving back and life has been given to you. And what is the coolest thing that Jesus has taught you so far? Jesus has taught me how to love without an agenda, how to receive love um, without an offense, how to get past offenses, Mm -hmm. how to get past me. But the biggest thing is he showed me that all of the things that I thought I needed to get to, all of the things that I wanted to be all of that. It's not that it didn't matter and not being financially set and all that, but he showed me the importance of a relationship with him. And that as long as I leaned on him, that I pressed into him, that nothing else would matter. And I'm totally okay with having a day that I don't know what's going to happen today, because all I know is that I'm a child of God, I'm a daughter and I'm okay. And that's, that's all that matters. So now it's just like, good morning. What are we doing today? God? So that's just like, and it's not always like that, but for the most part, just 
God, what do I do? How do I serve you? Because it doesn't matter about me. If my reward is genuine in heaven, and if the God says, and he does not lie, that in my house that there are many mansions, then what do I care about right now? Yeah. Yes, I want to be okay. Yes, I want to live life, but I'm sheltered. I'm, I'm eating, obviously. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I had COVID. I didn't die. You know, like I'm alive. Yeah. And there a lot of people haven't. A lot of people lost their lives with this and I didn't. I can't take that for granted. I can't. I cannot have been given all this opportunity, have all this stuff in front of me, all the training, all the things that they have given me and not do something with it. So now I just have to hone myself in and just remember it's one day, one assignment at a time. Mm -hmm. You only work on that. You know, don't get too much, but... I'm so ready now. I, I am, but I'm just waiting for God to show me when, where, and how, you know? And then yeah. I learned also that I was upset in the timing and I wanted it all microwave fast and put me on the stage and let me know and let me see. But I had to get past all those things that overshadowed me or that stopped me or that hindered me or that I would tell people, Hey, don't do this or God. And I was really doing it myself. So yeah. I, I appreciate, and I love the process because now the end, all that refining, all that burning, it's so great. And when I say what I say, I can say it from a genuine place and yeah. I can show you what it looks like to be on the other side of yourself. When you weren't, when you were given up or hope was given up on you, you're going to be on drugs or not those type of drugs, but on medication and just for you to live a normal life, it's going to cost you this and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I'm not on medication. I'm not on antidepressants. I'm not. I'm totally okay. I get still, you know, sidetracked and winded from certain things, but I can bring myself back. Yeah. I don't have to make a call and say, hey, everybody's such and such. I get to reach God on my own. Mm -hmm. When that veil was broken, I get to come to him and say, Jesus, look, it's me and you. I'm having a day. What's good? What's up? Like, help me process. Is this real? Is it true? Is it a lie? And I have to do that on a daily basis. Like yeah. Paul said, we've got to die to ourselves daily. And I do that several times a day. But I'm okay. And that's the big, all I can say is I'm okay. And that that's only Jesus. Only Jesus could do that. Yeah. Dr. Lori. Any closing or final thoughts or words of encouragement? What you got? Absolutely. I think about that scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so I want to speak to the people that are listening that have had a dream and it doesn't look like the dream's going to come to pass. Or the people that feel discouraged or that you've given up or you have unforgiveness or, or you've loved but the pain was too great or somebody's spoken something over you and your heart ignited but... You didn't have what it took during that time. And what if it's not too late? What if we can rekindle that thing that he placed inside of you? And what if you can connect with him, him being your reward, not when you get something or get somewhere, but I want to speak to all of those dreams and all of those things that have seemed lost. Yeah. And I want to say that if he could do what he's done with us, he can do anything. And it's all about relationship with him. And it's never too late. And so we have our part. He has his part. Others have their part. And so I want to encourage those who have lost hope to rekindle that hope in him. And to continue to believe what he said and to trust him in his timing. Yes. Melinda. Do you have any final words of encouragement or if there's someone listening right now where this is just really resonating, what would you say to them? I would say, honestly, get over yourself. Like ask God, 
What's bigger than me? What's past me? Because the more we focus in on ourselves, God, look at what I've been through. God, can I ever get past this? God, can I ever whatever? There are people here. You can find worse stories. There's worse stories in mine. There's worse traumas. And they all do affect us all the same way. But when I say get over yourself, I don't mean that like get over yourself like that. What I mean is stop thinking, God, what about me? Look at what happened to me because it happened, but it's not you. It, it happened, but it's not you. This, this may have happened. That might've happened, but it doesn't define who you are in your character. Like bad things have happened to me and all that. And, 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 you know, Hey, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to get to heaven. We're all trying to serve God. We're all trying to do it from an honest place. We're all trying to, you know, all make it to heaven. But in the meantime, what can we do as people with skin on to help other people? Great. I'm restored. I'm healed. I'm safe. I'm now, but I also need to help someone else get to that point. So I can't keep getting past me and look at what happened to me and keep real re-traumatizing myself. So I had to get over me and say, Hey, what about the 50,000 other people who didn't get over themselves? Yeah. Who didn't find the other side of this, you know, who thought that everything that happened to me consumed me. And what do I do now? You know, mm -hmm. so I've asked him, I purposely do God put things in front of me that are bigger than me because I easily get distracted. I easily want to take on 50,000 tasks, but just put something in front of me and keep it there to uh, to remind me, you know, that it, it's, it's always something to do. It's always work, but it's also people here that he's made with physical skin on that can also help. And yes, Jesus is here and he's here to help us, but he created humans and people to help other people. And so that's just where I'm at right now. What, what can I do that's past me? You know, I don't want yeah. it to be about me. I used to always wonder when I get to this and when I get to that and I can't wait to this and I can't wait to that, but what can I do right now? Because mm -hmm. what if that never happens? Am I okay? Wow. What if yeah. this never comes in? Am I still okay? And I have to be okay with that. But all I want to do right now is I want to be that to other people. But I like, again, I wanted to be that safe. And I didn't know that you needed to be safer. So I thought you just go out here and speak your peace and say whatever. But if it's still overshadowing me, can I genuinely speak to you from a place of healing? Or am I speaking to a place of judgment and we just don't do this? And this is why we need to yeah. get here. No, because healing looks like safety, but it also healing looks like a physical healing. When you can get past the emotions, when you can get past all the brain stuff, then the body settles down. All the trauma, all the anxiety, all the things that we need medicine from. Yeah. When the brain gets healed, it settles all that. I had gut issues. I had anxiety. I had depression. I had anything from Xanax to Buspirin to all these medications. And when I found out Melinda could calm this and step back, slow down, watch her thinking, watch her thoughts, process things, come to Jesus, have moments of praying, speaking in tongues, moments of crying. And I sit back and I realize this is going to go on every day, all day with anyone and everyone. All I have to know again is I'm a daughter, I'm chosen and I'm safe. So yeah. God, sign me up, show me where to go, what to do. And if it gets crazy, if it gets ugly, if I don't know what to do, if I don't know what to say, then guess what? He'll also give me the words to say. So now I'm just like, where's my next assignment? So I got invited into this and I was nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. But again, still nervous, but appreciative and honored that you guys would choose or be willing to allow me to be able to speak. And it further just puts the questions that I've had. God, where can I be used? Where can I be needed? How could you use Melinda? How could, how could you not? How could you not want the world to see what people look like on the other side of all of that? Yeah, you can come out of that. And so that's just where I'm in. So I'm just God send me. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I think that pretty much is it. Yeah. So here you are in the last episode of 
relief from darkness and just to kind of sum it all up from the first episode until now, here's what I'm hearing. That you really can be set free from everything that's hindering you Amen. from receiving the love of God. That through Adam, we were separated by sin and we were separated from him. But through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of one man, through the broken body, through the cross, through the work on the cross, and through the resurrection that we've been reconciled into relationship with our Father in heaven. And that first and foremost, as Melinda said, we are children of God. As she said, that is the biggest thing that, that could ever happen. That that's the miracle, you guys. That's the miracles that we were separated from our father. And now that the creator of the universe who made the stars and who made the grass wants to have relationship with us. And he wants us to have it right here and right now on this side of eternity, that we're not lacking anything, that it doesn't matter what we've been through and it doesn't matter what we've done, that we can be healed and set free and delivered from the things that are holding Mm. us back from receiving more of him. That he wants you. He created you. When he looks at you, he takes delight in, in what he sees, that he's singing over you with praises of affection, that he smiles when he sees you and whenever he hears your name, that you're chosen by God, chosen by him before the foundations of the earth. And that it's possible, it's possible to know him. The veil was torn And so our prayer at No Boundaries above all else is that you would know Jesus, that you would know the living, breathing Christ. Come on. And that that's what you're created for. And anything outside of that is a counterfeit. And God wants to come in and he wants to do something so miraculous in you that darkness doesn't have the final word, but the blood of Jesus did. And he said, it's finished. Mm -hmm. And he said that there's life. And there is life only found in him. He's the way and the truth and the life. Yes. So thank you guys for listening. It's been so much fun. And so we really do love you and we're praying for you and we have prayed for you. And we really do believe that if you change your brain, you change your life. So thank you guys for this opportunity. And we just pray blessings over you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.